parapods. 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 Hi, welcome to parapods. to City of Parramatta Libraries Parapods. This is our second episode and today we would love to welcome Dr. Nicole Weeks. Um, now Dr. Weeks is a psychologist with a PhD and a Master's in Organisational Psychology. She has been researching, studying and teaching psychology for 10 years since completing her undergraduate studies. Nicole is working with Resilience Research and Training Systems, founded by Dr. Monique Crane at Macquarie University. You can find out more about this at occupationalresilience.com.au. Nicole is also researching family resilience at Canteen and researches parenting issues, which she shares on her website, www.practicalresearchparenting.com. So welcome, Nicole. Um, Thank you. And with um, Mental Health Week in mind, uh, which we've been acknowledging here at the library, mm. we wanted to ask you here today because you're an expert in the field of um, resilience mm. and have actually been conducting some workshops here at the library. That's right. So um, for my sake and a lot of people out there, we wanted to ask you some questions. Mm. So starting with... Why is resilience so important? Well, everyone goes through major life events, um, like leaving school and finding a job, moving house, having a child, the death of a loved one. Events like these, even the happy ones, um, like getting married, can be stressful and raise new challenges and require us to adapt to new situations. So resilience is where we either sail through these events and appear to go from strength to strength, um, or where we experience a bit of a dip in functioning but bounce back. So resilience is critical for maintaining our mental health throughout life. Yes. Um, Nicole, my second question is, can resilience be taught? Absolutely. Um, so when we have the coping resources we need to overcome a challenging event and we use them well, then we tend to sail through events or bounce back. The challenge with teaching resilience is that different challenges require different coping approaches, and we can't always predict what the next challenge will be. Also, coping strategies can be quite unique. Things that I find really helpful, others may not, and vice versa. Our approach to teaching resilience is based on the systematic self-reflection model of resilience strengthening developed by Dr. Monique Crane and colleagues at Macquarie University. This model has been tested in the military with really positive outcomes. It proposes that resilience can be taught by helping people to go through five self-reflective practices. May I talk to you through each one? Yes, please. Awesome. So we can use an acronym to remember them, which is STAR FUTURE. Hmm. So S is for self-awareness. People need to learn to recognise when they're feeling stressed. Everyone has different tells, like a tight stomach, tight shoulders, grinding or clenching their teeth, and there's many more. When we learn to recognise these cues, we can address the stress earlier, before it builds too much. Hmm. When we're more aware of what is going on in our bodies and our minds, it can help us to recognise when our thoughts aren't very helpful, or how our emotions could be affecting our behaviour. 
T is for triggers. We teach people to examine the triggers that lead them to feel this way. For example, uncertainty or a lack of control are common ones for people. This step helps people to recognise that there may be different triggers requiring different coping responses. It also helps people to avoid overgeneralizing. So, for example, if I can identify that when I think about my work priorities when I'm at home, I'm more irritable with my children, then I know what I need to address. The thinking about the work priorities at home is the problem. And I'm less likely to conclude that I'm an impatient, irritable mum because I've identified exactly when I act that way. Hmm. A is for appraisal, which is the way we see the stressor. We encourage people to see the stress as a challenge or an opportunity to learn new skills. Because ultimately we need some stress to build resilience. And when we see the stress as a challenge, we're more open to learning and growing, rather than just defending the status quo. The final two steps are about building our coping resources for the future. So R stands for review. We encourage people to think about what they did in response to the stressor that worked and what didn't work. To figure out how helpful different coping strategies are, we look at whether they get us closer to the goals and behaviours that we really care about. So for example, in the past, I've used distraction to avoid feeling stress. That felt really good at the time um, because I no longer felt the stress, but it didn't help my work and it didn't help me be the mum I wanted to be. So I realised that I needed to learn to acknowledge the stress and address it rather than always hiding from it. I see. So that's the STAR, self-awareness, triggers, appraisal and review. FUTURE stands for future improvement. Here we encourage people to think about what could be done differently in the future and search for solutions or resources that may help now or next time a similar situation arises. So, for example, once I know that my trigger is thinking about work priorities at home, I might look into strategies for compartmentalising work and home life or managing my time such that I don't have to think about work at home. Mm, yeah, I see. Um, question number three, Nicole, is mm. are some people more resilient than others? Yes and no. Everyone, even people who are currently really struggling, have some resilient capacities. Depending on the capacities we have, we might be better able to handle some stresses and less able to handle others. For example, a really supportive partner might help us to weather all sorts of hardships. But if the stress, stressor is that your partner is seriously ill, then you're going to need other supports to handle that. Um, and others may not have a supportive partner and they will have other strengths that help them. Um, so we put resilient capacities into three categories, resilient beliefs, knowledge and skills and resources. In each category, there are some things that people have more, more of than other people have, um, either due to their genetics or upbringing or situation, but there are other things that people can build on, learn or change. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Nicole, um, my fourth question is uh, a statement really. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. This old saying speaks to the quality of, re of resilience. I understand that you are doing research in coping with stress. What are your findings? 
So we've found that stress is needed to build resilience. So there is some truth in that old statement. Um, for example, people with moderate levels of lifetime adversity show greater resilience and less negative responses to pain compared to people with very little lifetime adversity or extreme lifetime adversity. So we liken building resilience to building a muscle. To build a muscle, you need to put your muscles under some stress by lifting weights. Similarly, it's often adversity that forces us to develop our resilient capabilities. Think about what we can do better or what we can develop. However, if you use the wrong technique when lifting weights, you can injure yourself. Similarly, if instead of using the star future approach, you obsessively ruminate on your misfortunes or worry about the future, this can undermine your resilience. So we've found in a military setting that the more star future activities people do, the greater their resilience. No matter how good your technique, there are some weights that you just are not ready to lift. Um, sometimes we encounter stresses that we're just not well prepared for. And these can cause injury, mental injury in this case, and take us longer to recover from. We've also found that some stresses help people to build resilience more than other stresses. So in the workplace, stresses that create opportunity for personal growth and development, such as workload and time pressure, they do deplete energy and lead to exhaustion and stress, but they also build personal capabilities that can help people to handle future stresses. These are called challenge stresses. In contrast, demand, demands that tend to be viewed as barriers to goal accomplishment, things like red tape or office politics, often increase strain and can also deplete resilience. So we call these hindrance stresses. Mm, these sound familiar to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> are resilient people happier? Yes. Uh, people who are more resilient do tend to have more positive emotions and more happiness. Mm. Um, it might be a reciprocal process, though. Resilience seems to build happiness, but also happiness builds resilience. Yeah. So interesting. Um, Nicole, self-help and motivational books are really popular with our readership they offer advice on achieving happiness through resilience and coping skills for the layperson. Do they really help? And would you recommend any in particular? Um, so we believe that people should try a number of different things and evaluate the, whether those new strategies are helping to move them closer to their values and their valued goals. So absolutely that there are helpful books out there. And what work, But what works for me won't necessarily work for other people as well. Um, so by all means, try new things, but make sure you ask first, what do I care most about? At this point in my life, what do I need? And will this help me to get help to get me closer to being the person I want to be and doing the things I want to do? Mm -hmm. To give you an example, I really benefited from reading Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High by Kerry Patterson and colleagues. That was because at the time I needed tools for assertiveness and the way it talks about finding mutual purpose fits with my value of cooperation and inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. However, others who need different skills or have different values might benefit more from other books, such as books on time management or goal clarification. Yeah, I see it. It's definitely um, one size doesn't fit all. Exactly. Yeah. Finally, uh, Nicole, why do you love libraries? Because I love to learn, um, and libraries are full of knowledge, new knowledge and new perspectives. Oh, that's a wonderful answer. Well, we're, we're really happy that you do love libraries. And Nicole, thank you so much for being here today. That was absolutely fascinating, and I think I've learned a thing or two. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for okay. having me. And thank you, everybody, for being here. And we will see you next time. Find us on Facebook and find us on YouTube. Bye. The material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.